guys. This is Jill and welcome back to the Sports Ethos Kings podcast. Sorry for the audio of this one. I am not at my home little studio where I have my microphone and all that stuff. Um, So bear with me today. But the Kings pulled through in Minnesota um, as they're, you know, with COVID now we have teams playing each other back to back. And so that was the first one of this road trip. And uh, I will have to say I'm I'm happy with the showing last night compared to what they showed on Saturday. We um, we played some defense. We got to see. Trey Lyles um, as a small ball five, and it was really cool seeing him exploit that and uh, take it to Rudy Gobert. And, um, you know, that's also kind of one of the things that people have talked about with with him come playoff time is the five out system. And that's how people try and beat him in the playoffs. And the Kings were able to run it yesterday in overtime. And Trey Lyles had eight points. I think it was eight out of the 15 that the Kings scored. So uh, kudos to him. We saw a fired up Sabonis. And it was, I don't know about anybody else, but it was very reminiscent of the boogie getting ejected from Portland, not getting ejected. Um, Some of the team says that they know that he wasn't ejected and he just wanted to cool off. I don't know really. I don't don't know how, how true that is, but... Um, I know it was hard for the announcers because they're doing these games remotely, this remote, this uh, road trip. And so they weren't really able to tell us what was going on inside the, uh, the arena either, but, um, it was nice. We got him for a couple more minutes before, you know, they, uh, they blew the whistle and called the sixth foul on him. Um, I'm honestly surprised it's probably taken him this long to show that much emotion based on how they've been blowing the whistle on him this season so far. But uh, kudos to him. He came back in and he still uh, he still produced and um, kept himself in check for the most part. So that was nice. We had uh, Fox going uh, going aggressive in the early parts of the game, and I thought that set the tone pretty well. Um This is a game of runs, and the Kings made their run. Minnesota made their run back. Kings made their run again, and it was very much that back and forth. And then we had De'Aaron Fox going against um, Anthony Edwards in the fourth quarter. And as much as it'll give you a heart attack, it was also a lot of fun to watch as a basketball fan. And so that made it exciting. And uh, I, I was happy to see, to me, Fox get the better end of it after um, after last game. So, yeah, I mean, all good things. And Monk stepped up. We had a Terrence Davis sighting and kudos to him for staying ready. I think it, Katie and Mark said that he had had like three minutes Um over the last six games because the I think the last game it was was he was the starter and played really well when when Herter was out that game and then Herter came back and uh, we've seen Lyles play so well and so you saw him getting those minutes again because I know that was kind of at the beginning of the year it was um, even though they're not playing the same position based on lineups and rotations and how Mike Brown was doing it um, 
you know, they, they were kind of going back and forth and sharing minutes. And so, um, it was nice to see him included here. And so, you know, before where I said we saw Lyles kind of be the odd man out, it was more so Davion that was kind of the odd man out in the second half. But I will say Davion had great defense again um, in, in the first half and the first quarter really set the tone, I thought. And then um, it was nice, to you know, and then also Herter um, sat for most of the second half. I know he started that third and then sat and didn't really, I don't think came back in at all of the fourth, if I'm not mistaken, but um, I was, it, I was nice to see for me, Brown ride the hot hand. And yesterday the hot hand was Malik Monk and Terrence Davis off the bench um, prior to, you know, Trey, Trey Lyles going off. And so he went with a hot hand and, and it ended up working. So um, more of that, uh, especially as we, you know, roll down to the last, I think, what is it? Eight games left of the, um, before the break. And so I said this yesterday, I feel like these last eight games are like the last two minutes of a King's quarter or a King's half where you can't take your foot off the pedal, finish this strong, don't lose the cushion that you spent so hard building in the first half of, of this season. Um, so to me, that's why I loved Brown sticking with what was working and uh, it, it got the job done. And so, um, you know, Keegan had another huge rebounding game. He stepped up. Harrison, um, he got defensive player, uh, player of the game. And so uh, I think it was pretty quiet offensively, but um, I thought he was solid on defense. Now, of course, what is hilarious is I haven't seen I mean, I've, I've been off Twitter most of the day, but I have not seen an apology from the refs yet. Oh, even better, I just looked. They actually called it the correct on call. You know, <laughs> it's just laughable at this point. If that was the Kings, <laughs> that's a travel. I mean, he picked up his foot, then he slid it. Come on, guys. We all saw it. We all saw the replays. You can't tell me you have some magnifying glass that that you took that that made it. But you know what? I I understand because you're under a lot of scrutiny, and you know you just can't be admitting your your, your mistakes right now. Um, but you know, thanks for the sleepless night. Uh, you know, <laughs> I still can't believe they got an apology. Um. The Lakers got an apology. I mean, where's my apology for 2002? You know what? Are you still, you know, having sleepless nights since 2002 and taking a championship away from a city? I mean, like, what what are we doing here? That the whole season as a whole has been universally bad. Someone did it and... You know, I know the Lakers, are, oh, it's four games this month. Oh, okay. Every other team has been screwed throughout the year. They, someone did a, a report and it was, I think it was the Lakers had 30, 34 um, missed calls in close game or 34, um, you know, like on your two minute report um, in their, in their close games. 
And I think it was 22 games or something like that. It might have been more. But um, it was like 23 out of the 34 went in favor of the Lakers. Now, someone did the Kings, and that's where it might have been the 22 games from. But Kings had 36 calls during that time. Kings had 36 calls. 13. 13. We're in favor of the Kings. So again, tell me, LeBron and the Lakers, how it never happens to anybody else. It's, it's just them that is getting screwed. I mean, we got, they want to bring up the Kings game that that they got screwed and, and we won off of them. Okay, well, we got screwed when you guys won the game in Golden One Center. So you know what? I mean, most of the time this stuff evens itself out. You know, law of averages, it ends up evening itself out. But give me a break. Give me a break. If you have a superstar on your team, you are not going to be in the bottom half of the league of them being against you. Like, I mean, come on. What are we doing? Come on. That I mean, that's like him walking around with those books, right? He's read everything um, of I've watched all the games. I just watched so many games and it just never happens to anybody else. Kings didn't get an apology when Kevin Herter was fouled three times at the end of a game. You know, what did the what the NBA do? They sent that same ref to Sacramento and he screwed us in another game. So again, tell me how you are the only ones. But sorry, I'm just laughing because I went and looked and I ended up seeing that tweet um, as I was saying this about them saying that the traveling was the correct non-call. So I will, you know what, NBA officials, I will respectfully disagree. So something else I just saw pop up that was interesting was um, Krishna um, from B-Ball Index just put this up and it was using 538's projected playoff rotation minutes found on their team pages. Here's how teams stack up against um, using various impact metrics. Also included is the average age experience sorted by predictive LeBron. So before I tell you the answer, Everyone take a guess right now where they think the Kings would fit when it comes to projected team playoff strength. 11th. Not bad for a team. I mean, and they're listed ahead of the Warriors, um, the Wizards, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, the Bulls, Lakers, Timberwolves, Clippers, Blazers, Knicks, the Hawks, the Jazz, the Pacers, Thunder, Magic, Hornets, Spurs, Pistons, and Rockets. The only teams listed above them are uh, Boston Celtics, the Grizzlies, the Cavs, the Bucks, 76ers, Nuggets, Miami Heat, Raptors, Brooklyn Nets, Phoenix Suns. Now, one of the biggest things that is that's a negative for this team right now, um, according to that, is the experience rank. Obviously, that's no surprise since it's been 16 years. But... They are lower on the DPM. And I'm guessing that has something to do with probably defense. I mean, if if we're, if I'm guessing. But, I mean, which would also make sense because those teams are um, higher defenses than the Kings. But I will say, I mean, that's a hell of a jump, right? I mean, last year we would have probably been at, you know, way down towards the bottom. So that was a cool little stat that uh, that came out. Yeah, so so 11th. I mean, I will I will take that for half, over, over a little halfway through the season. Now, 
it's going to be really interesting to see as, you know, I was talking earlier about how, you know, keeping up the push for the, you know, as we get down to this end of the the first half of the season or, you know, to the all-star break. And then that last, you know, what is it, like 25 games or so push that every team, you know, m- pretty much every team in the West minus like three teams because they're all so close are, are going to be making. Um, and we're getting up right to the trade deadline. We are, I think, officially under 10 days. Uh, yeah, we're officially we're right at 10 days, under 10 days, right at 10 days for the deadline. And we're hearing crazy asking prices. We're hearing, you know, it's people are trying to figure out if it's going to be a buyer or seller market. You know, there's looks to be a lot of buyers because of how close people are. And so the sellers are asking, quite frankly, way more than what than what these players that they're asking for worth. I love Alex Caruso. I've said this on here before. If you follow me on Twitter, you know. But I love his game. Defensively, he's there. But, I mean, come on. Two first-round picks. If someone pays that, I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, like, what, what are we doing? What, like, what... <laughs> What are we doing? Um, we're seeing, uh, I know I saw Mike Conley and probably Fred Van Fleet were like uh, around prob- uh, a player, you know, a young player in a draft pick. That one I can kind of understand because it's the Clippers too. And I can see people trying to get the Clippers to pay. because They're kind of running out of time on their window. Um you know what? And they're they're surging right now, but they're surging because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are playing, right? So, are they going to play all the twenty five? Are they going to rest? Um, are they going to swing and try and get someone so that they can rest some of these guys? Um, but it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I mean, the Lakers. Who knows? They were just right complaining that. They've lost all these games, and then Anthony Davis and LeBron James sat. Um, You know, they traded for Rui, which I thought was a good move. Are they going to pull the trigger and do a Russell Westbrook trade? Are they going to ride it out? Is is there a market out there for him? Um, I know the Pacers just signed um, Turner, but he still could be traded prior to the ninth, so... You know, that's still very much there. So everyone in Indiana is celebrating that, but they're also very much still saying that we know it's a thing and and he still could be traded. Now we've heard, you know, again, Utah, Mike Conley, we've heard Beasley, we've heard Vanderbilt um, be thrown out there. We, you know, who knows if there's any other smaller pieces on there. I'm I'm assuming they're going to keep Clarkson and they're going to keep Markin in. But I would think anybody else is pretty much fair game. And we know, you know, Danny Ainge does not give away anything for cheap. And so can only imagine his his asking price. But you know what? Maybe as we get closer to the deadline, some of those asking prices can can drop. I understand people having the the high price now, right? We even in the Rui trade, it was said that Washington was asking for a first round pick. They weren't going to get it. And so they made the decision to not even just wait around, that they were going to 
take none and they were going to take the the draft uh the second round pick so you know we could see other teams following suit that way we know mo bomba orlando was saying that they want a first round pick and jake fisher was saying okay they might want a first round pick but they could see he knows that the clippers are looking for a backup the kings are looking for a backup but no one's necessarily going to be paying that first round price where I could see someone paying a first round price for Plumlee just based on more so the guarantee of what you're getting over Mo Bamba. That, that he would look to see people throw second round picks to the to Orlando um, if, if they want to make a move. So again... It's always hard to know, you know, there, there's always going to be a lot of smoke. Um, we've heard that, you know, yesterday Stein said that he has heard that Sacramento is monitoring the Matisse Thibel situation. You know, I, I don't think that's surprising. Um, that's a name we've heard here for, you know, a couple of years and the Kings still very much need uh, that perimeter uh, defensive depth. But I will say, um, I do if we're looking at players to put on a bench because I've been talking about upgrading, you know, that depth on the bench. If you can get Thibel without, you know, for some picks or a trade exception or, you know, if they'll take KZ or something, I think having Thibel on the bench is an upgrade over KZ. Um, you know, and and Thibel's done it in the playoffs. Um, it's just for Philadelphia, they have other priorities at this point, um, money-wise, and it's coming up for, you know, of, of him as a restricted free agent. And so, you know, it's just one of those things where offensively he's just not there yet, but he's really good at defense. But I do think his offensive game is more advanced than what we're seeing from KZ. Um I know TD's been thrown out there. I know Holmes has been thrown out there. Len's been thrown out there. Um, but the one the one thing I do say about if you're getting rid of TD is you better find – you better be bringing in someone else that can score consistently off the bench too because he's – I mean, yes, you know, everyone calls him a microwave because he can get really hot, but he can also get cold. But the guy tries on defense – and more often than not, he's better on offense um, than not being great on offense. And it worries me that if you do get rid of him, you're getting rid of essentially our best backup to the bench, if that makes sense. You know, we've been, you know, he's he's been a bright spot in that if someone's going down for a couple games, you can throw him in. If if Monk has been having kind of trouble, TD's been able to come in during some games and and pick up uh, the offensive slack for the bench. So um, I just worry that you still have to have that balance. And um, I know we have to get better defensively, but can you find someone that's a little bit of both? Like maybe a Josh Hart. Josh Hart would be great for this team. Defense is there. The rebounding is there. And he's not going to kill you on offense. But you all know my pipe dream, too, is, you know, getting a Vanderbilt out there and having uh, him at the four and uh, Trey Lyles playing a little small ball five. So Monty has his work cut out for him. Um, we have San Antonio tomorrow. Uh, we'll see how that goes. You know, we we want to, again, keep keep this going. 
uh, leading up to the end of of the first half of the season up until the break, or I should say the first, you know, three-fourths of the season, essentially, up until the break. And so, as always, go Kings! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.